What up, though, One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where One Pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Ryan McBusky. It's a Wednesday, which can only mean one thing. We are back with the college football podcast, Shrine on Me. Ryan, we are at the end of January. The Detroit Lions are still playing football, but for us here in the college football world, we are a week away from one of the biggest weeks of the season in regards to the path to the draft. The Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl, they're coming up, and for a lot of prospects, can make or break the draft value. Yeah, these are like the two pinnacles of the All-Star Games. These are the two that they, they jump to take their places because you get the chance to work with some of the best and most high-profile coaches, and they're, they're quite highly thought of at these two games. Exactly. Some of the best coaches and then the Chicago Bears staff who were there as well. Um, so that is going to be the focus for us this evening. This The first week we're going to do about the Shrine Bowl today. And then next week we're going to do about the Senior Bowl because the two run concurrently with one another. They don't start for a fortnight. So we've got this, we've got the Shrine Bowl in now and we've got the big one, the Senior Bowl next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to break the roster down kind of like we did with the hula bowl but we're gonna do it different this time because there's like 120 players at these things and try to do a little profile for everybody in the hula bowl like this is just stuff you can go and google and that you'll know and it takes forever and it's pain in the arse so what we've done is we've kind of broken it down into we've picked our own all-star teams so like quarterbacks running backs wide receivers one guy in the position group to really talk about that we like. And then, you know, I'll go down the whole roster as we're going along. And if there's anyone you want us to look at, we will. But we just want to be able to focus a bit more in depth on some guys rather than doing everybody a little bit because it's pain in the neck doing that many guys at once. Um, just before we do, let's get all the housekeeping out the way. So Rural Lines UK Discord, if you want in, let us know. We will fire you a link out for that. Main podcast will be back on Friday. We will be previewing the Detroit Lions in an NFC Championship game. I still cannot get used to hearing that phrase. Against the San Francisco 49ers. One game away from the Super Bowl. It is unreal. And a lot of the guys are going to be on for that. So come and join us. It's going to be a big, fun festival to celebrate us getting there don't forget to like and sub to everything twitch youtube all that good stuff don't forget about lions nation unite we are a part of herman moore's project to bring together the best in lions content creators from around the youtube land and don't forget we are an affiliate on twitch we're monetized on youtube we've got a tip jar so if you want to help us that way great but we just love having you all in the building and we've got a feedback form as well so if you've got any suggestions for the show anything you want us to know about just let us know and we 
we'll take that on board. Right, all the housekeeping-y boring things out the way. So let us get on with this. If anyone watching has any questions during the night, just let me know. This will be a recorded playback because still struggling with the whole streaming thing, but I will be in the chat on the evening if you've got anything to ask as well so you can have a chat with me there right let's get down into shrine ball roster and i you know as we've gone through the week and i've done my team and ran done his there are a lot of exciting players for us to check out so as i say we're gonna have a look at some of them in more detail for you so we're gonna start on the offense in the quarterback room. So overall, we've got six guys. So we've got Austin Reed from Western Kentucky, Devin Leary from Kentucky, Jack Plummer from Louisville, Keaton Slovis from BYU, John Rice Plumley from UCF, and then we've also got Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback. He will not be playing in the game because he's still recovering from that devastating leg injury he got during the season, but he's going to be there doing interviews on the sidelines, so so he is a part of the six there. Um, got a couple of returning guys here, right? Obviously, Plummer, Plumley both at the Hula Bowl, and then we've got some new ones in the building, Reed, Leary, Slovis, but who have you picked out at quarterback uh, for this one? So I have picked the curious case of Keaton Slovis. <clears throat> so very interesting person. So the guys played for the USC Trojans, the Pitt Panthers, and finished this year with the BYU Cougars. 6'3", 100 kilos, and if you go back to 2019 when he was a freshman, he took the world by storm. He went 282 of 392 at 71.9% completion rate with 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions and 3,500 yards. And he also ate the most sacks of his career as a freshman. And everywhere, everyone was convinced this kid was going to set the world on light. But unfortunately, after that, the next four years couldn't have been any more disappointing. So... Across the last four years, let's say we finished up with USC, but also had Pitt and BYU. He had two years of 60-plus percentage completion percentage and two under-60-plus percent complete percentage. He went from roughly 7,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, but to a 30-touchdown interception rate across the last four years compared to his freshman year. The issue is, lacks mobility to scramble, to evade pressure in the pocket. He is a pocket passer. He has got a brilliant cannon arm. He has got, he can make every throw in the book, every pretty throw, everyone that's needed. He's got the touch it all needs. But across everything, uh, every year he has rushed from on 20 carries. And every year he's finished from what with less than minus 60 rushing yards. So he is a solid, stable, pro style pocket passer. And I say he's gone, he's kind of like ball on a bit off of a cliff, which. It's not fair, he's had injuries. Like, so he's had like four offensive coordinators and like three or four head coaches. At 22 years old, I still believe that the freshman Keaton is still there, the kid that set the world alight. Not everything's gone his way. He has struggled, but if you're looking for a guy to like mould and just, just park for a few years in a pro style offence that does want someone that can sit in the pocket and then can pick a team off who won't ask too much to do with the legs, no divine passes. I think Keaton probably is the guy out of all these guys that has got youth experience of playing in championship games, did play in a Pac-12 championship, 
has been like numerous bowl games, has gone on four or five game winning stretches. So he's done everything at big programmes. It's kind of just never come together for him in the last few years. And that's with all the chopping and changing, unfortunately. But yeah, there's a quarter factor there and we've seen it. It's just been a long time since we've seen it. So he really needs this game because this year for him, he didn't go all that well for BYU in their first year in the Big 12. It was a struggle. That shocks me that he's 22. I would have thought he was like 24. It feels like he's been around forever. That That is... And he came straight out of high school. I think even in yeah. North Well, like I say, when they start as a true freshman, then all of a sudden the age just sort of plummets and you carry on, I guess, don't you? But yeah, going to be interesting to see Keaton for sure. I've kind of gone a little bit more on... Um, so John Rice Plumley for me, I talked about him at the Hula Bowl, but again, I'm sort of really intrigued by him in terms of this draft and a late round stash who you could create into something at the NFL level. So he's been, he's a five-year vet, three years at Old Miss, two years at UCF. He's 469 of 766 passing, which is 61%, just a bit above. 5,890 yards, 34 touchdowns, 19 picks. He's got 2,800 rushing yards at 6.8 yards per carry. So basically seven, 28 rushing touchdowns, 23 fumbles. He's six foot exactly 200 pounds he's been a high level dual threat guy during his career wasn't really much of a passer to start with but we've seen it the last couple of years when he's been in this UCF system so they operate the RPO system there so he's quite instinctual on when to run when not to run doing all the quick reads that come with the RPO system the ball security with him has improved it was a big problem he had 11 fumbles in his first year with UCF that came down to just four this year and didn't throw a whole bunch of picks in there either he's elite against the blitz he grades like 93 against the blitz because again with his legs his ability to escape so one does come at him and he picks it up he's more than capable of getting out of harm's way there so it's a real strength of his he's led one of the most fearsome offenses in the country i think ucf in total offensive yardage in this first year were first in the nation they were ninth this year but the average over 480 yards per game with him at the helm uh he's got a smaller frame but he takes plenty of hits as a runner he's been very durable they only missed a couple of games this year i think it was weeks three and four he missed um but apart from that a lot of health and he's not had that many knocks say so he's proven he's tough he's durable the deep passing's a little bit of an issue with him there's technical issues there because again in the rpo quick reads Short passes, intermediate passes, you sort of pepper that part of the field. But then when you're trying to throw it a little bit deeper, there's something that doesn't quite work with him and his numbers tail off dramatically. And he also struggles when he has to stand and deliver against pressure and he doesn't pick up the blitzers as well. So there are a couple of things he has to work with. And also, can he works out? Can he work outside of the RPO? Can he work in a traditional pro-style offense? These, these are the sort of questions with him. But overall... Like, when you've got the legs, you've got the rushing ability, you rush at seven yards per clip over your entire career, that's really good. And his arm is a lot better than we anticipated initially. He got the range of throws, just a few technical issues with him. So I think something can be done with him. I think if we see him these games, if we see him take a few deep shots, we see him play his natural game, I think a lot of people will start to take notice of him. And you might be able to see him in that sort of day three area to go and get a eyeball. I like him. If he ever ended up on my team and we used him, I'd be more than happy. So Plumley would be my guy there. 
And Ryan's taking a look at Slovis. Let us go into the running back room now. And some really interesting running backs on display. So we've got Isaac Garendo from Louisville. Frank Gore Jr., we all know that name from Southern Miss. Carson Steele from UCLA. Tyrone Tracy Jr. from Purdue. Blake Watson from Memphis. Deshaun Fenwick from Oregon State. Jaden Sheridan from Monmouth. And Jonathan Brooks from Texas. Believe Brooks is doing what Travis is and he's there for interviews and stuff, but he's still rehabbing off injury. Currently, we saw Tracy, Watson, and Fenwick at the Hula Bowl, so they all got calls up to this on the back of their work there. Ryan, who who you've been taking a look at in the running back room? I have actually gone with the I've gone with the FCS product here, so I've gone with Jaden Sheridan. So the uh, buzz, the mini school, Mike, like the the danger mouse, as you could call him. So the Monmouth Hawks, he's been there for three or four years now. He's, he's very short in stature at 5'8 uh, and about 80 kilos. What does that make him like? Like Devin Atchin kind of size, maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah. In the last two years, he has proven that he can be a bell cow. So 22 and 23, 427 carries, roughly, but over 3,200 yards and 23 touchdowns. He has absolutely chewed up ground for that Hawks offense behind a strong offensive line. He has shown that he's able to catch balls out of the backfield. He's willing to pass block if needs be, but being short, I like to say being less physical, that can be difficult against bigger guys. But he shows the balance. He shows the ability to break a tackle in the open field. And he has got the ability to finish in the red zone. He is willing to put his pads down, shoulders down, lowest man wins. And in 2022, I believe he had like a 95 yard and it was his longest rush of the year. So he has got that like, I can shoot you out of a cannon, that home run ability that once he's gone and gets in behind your defence, you really will struggle to catch him. And if you do try to grab him too high or don't wrap up, he is kind of like a bar of soap. He will slip out. He will make you punish if you don't go all technique. No good just like laying the wood off him. He'll bounce right off you. I say, and... That's kind of the product now. We're seeing the league go. We're seeing smaller backs start to do good things. We're seeing guys like that. That It's not always now about the Derrick Henrys and the Leonard Fournettes. The smaller guys are starting to find ways to win. He will have to show that he can probably make this work on special teams to earn those kind of carries at the running back. But he's got the skill set, the size as well, to make him a potentially dynamic returner in a punt or a kick return game. But yeah, heavy workload at Monmouth. And he has shown that he has been able to carry that and kind of just keep going and keep chugging despite that lack of weight behind him. And no real lack of like alarming injury history, anything. Like you say, he's just kept plowing, kept the head down, kept the shoulders square and keeps going. And for a small school guy, like he will benefit the most from this. Like I say, because he's got a lot to prove, but also he can go out there and probably like raise a few eyebrows if he does well at the week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say, with, with the smaller guys, it's a new age for them now. New systems, new ways to get them in space, new ways to utilize them. There's nothing nothing that you can't do with guys like this now. 
He had like 1,700 yards last year. He led the FCS in rushing yards the year previous. Like 1,700 yards is nothing to sniff at. Um, right. So I got a couple of guys here on mine. So the first one, you know, he was going to be in here eventually, but Frank Gore Jr., son of the legendary Frank Gore Sr. So he spent four years at Southern Miss. His stats. 757 rush attempts, 3,985 rushing yards, going at 5.2 yards per carry, 26 touchdowns, only eight fumbles in that entire time on 750 carries. As a receiver, he's got 75 receptions on 94 targets for 695 receiving yards with four touchdowns. And as a quarterback, because he's been a quarterback, he's 17 of 35, it's only a 49% completion, but he's a running back, don't forget. He's an emergency QB. 368 passing yards, seven touchdowns, and just one pick. So he is 5'8 and 195 pounds of literal steel. Just like his dad, he will keep relentlessly running the ball at you till you break. He's hard to bring down. He's forced 150 missed tackles in the last two seasons alone, and he has 2,800 yards after contact in his career. He plays through injury. He was injured at the start of this season, didn't miss a single game. That's why he had a little bit of a slow start, but he never quits. He just keeps on going out there. The smaller frame, it allows him to get skinny in crowds and to sort of lose lose the attention that's on him and he's able to break out big, even when it's in a crowded room for him. But the attitude with him shines the most. Like he stepped up to play emergency quarterback because like the 2022 season, I think it was, they went through about six different quarterbacks. He stepped in to play quarterback for his team. He plays running back. He plays receiver. He's toughed it out through injury. And very weirdly, he stayed loyal to that program for four years when he could have gone to a much bigger team on a much bigger scale, but he didn't. He stayed, and I really admire that about him. He's a handy receiver. Uh, like I said, 700 yards, four touchdowns. They've started using him more out the back in recent years as well, and you know, going up to the NFL, having that dual threat ability is needed. Um, the frame is the issue, so he doesn't have like breakneck speed like some of the smaller guys, like Ryan mentioned, A-chain, guys like that use sort of breakneck speed to be able to separate themselves a bit more. He, he doesn't have that. He's going to take a lot of contact in the NFL, but, I mean, he comes from a lineage where, you know, his dad took God. He's got 16,000 rushing yards in the NFL. He's the same size as him. Like, if anyone's going to overcome a lack of size and a lack of speed in the NFL through knowledge, it's him. So, you know, it's all built on defying that. He's coming from a group of five teams, so the opposition step up is going to be big, but that's what these ball games are for. So you've got that there. And also, he works special teams. He works on the punt coverage unit. So he's just about as versatile as you're going to get with any of the running backs out there. And, you know, where he's come from, he's going to get picked. I just don't know how high at this moment in time, but... I don't know right about you, but I think he's got his ability to be well, probably never be as good as dad, but no one talks about him as a running back in the NFL, but I think he'll do just fine. Oh, yeah, I, I think he's got all the talent in the world. Like I say, he's carried that Southern Miss offense in recent years that sometimes without him has looked devoid of any real spark. Like He's shown that he is every bit as physical as his dad. Like I say, maybe a bit faster 
like you say, maybe better hands, like you say, that Cole's not always known for. But the fact, like, he can throw a ball, the fact you could kind of do some fun stuff with him, like you say, he's, he's very, he's mouldable, he's durable, he's going to be the kind of kid that'll kind of do what's ever asked of him. I say, I just want a chance, and he's really likable. And we can't really deny as well that the name, it carries weight. These these famous kids, like I say, it, it goes a long way towards actually making a step next level. Someone will definitely take a chance on him. I'd say oh. just stack him for a couple of years and see if he does break out or if you have to call him up for injury. But yeah, I, I've seen like he kind of entered the scene as like, oh, it's Frank's kid, like you say, what can he do? But next thing you know, like you say, he's, he's getting national media attention, like you say, I mean, like monster 170 yard rushing games, like, and against good competition as well. Yeah. Like I said, you can, no one can deny that Southern Miss has not played some real proper talent in the last few years. Like I said, it's an ever growing conference. And he's been part of a, a really strong ground offense. Yeah, and he holds the ball record for most rushing yards in a ball game. I think it was 320 yards he got the season before last. The dude is amazing. The other guy I wanted to highlight before we move on to the receivers is Blake Watson. So he was a guy at the Hula Bowl. I've done a little more on. So, yeah, running back four years at the Old Dominion Monarchs, then did his last year at Memphis. So his stats, 591 carries, 3,305 rushing yards, going at 5.6 yards per clip, 28 touchdowns, just six fumbles, 600 carries. Uh, he's 113 of 132 on receptions, so really good hands. 931 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns. So he's 5'9", 195, so another smaller running back, but there is a lot to love here. So he's done things the right way. He redshirted his first year at Old Dominion. Then he showed out on special teams this year two as a kick returner. He had 640 return yards on just 24 returns, averaging 27 yards per return. Then he had to wait for a year because Old Dominion lost 2020 to COVID. He didn't transfer, so he had to wait another year, but then he finally got into the team and, you know, he didn't look back after that. He had seasons of 1,117 rushing yards and 921 rushing yards. And that preceded his transfer to Memphis for his last year to do it at a bit of a bigger school. He had 1,151 yards and 14 touchdowns this year. He is the epitome of consistency these last three years on the ground and he started showing out as a receiver in the last two the last year at old dominion the first year at memphis is where like 800 of his 900 yards have come from um again show great loyalty to a small school four years at old dominion hacked it out during covid i love the attitude to stay there and do the best for the team and then just be like i'll have one year for myself at the end to go and do it on a bigger stage for my drafting i do not mind that at all his identification and processing skills are elite i've seen him like when i did the review years ago on jamar jefferson the one thing that stood out was like his ability to see the gaps opening to hit them this guy's really good at this i really really like him he's versatile as a receiver they use him in motion a hell of a lot like send him out on the screens send him out on the wide routes you can do all sorts with this guy now the problem is the age obviously he's a sixth year senior so he's going to be older, about 25. But again, I don't have issues with that because running backs, the life of a running back in the NFL ain't the longest. If they come in older, you can still get five, six years and you'll be absolutely fine. The size concerns a little smaller. The blocking is not great, um, but he's got the special teams ability. He's got everything he needs to, just needs to work on that blocking a bit. 
So I think Blake Watson is another guy at running back who is just highly underappreciated. He's going under the radar. So we're going to be keeping a big eye out for him in this one. Right. Let us move on to the receivers. And let me get the list of receivers up here. And I need to make sure I say all these right. So we've got Ledeatric Griffin from Mississippi State, Jaquan Jackson from Tulane. Then we've got the Washington's Taj from USC and Malik from Virginia. We've got Bob Means from Pittsburgh, Anthony Gould from Oregon State, Isaiah Williams from Illinois, Jalen Coker from Holy Cross, and David White Jr. from Western Carolina. Both of those guys, you remember, were at the Hula Bowl. Got Ryan Flowernoy from Southeast Missouri State, also at the Hula Bowl. Then we got the Yankee brothers, twins, brothers, can't remember, Jaden and Jackson from South Dakota State. We've got Cornelius Johnson from Michigan and Tavion Robinson from Kentucky, and I know exactly where we're going to be going for this. Sarai, who have you had a look at for wide receiver? So I've got two guys here, and I've got very contrasting guys. So I'll start with, yeah. So the Yankees, now Pete Jackson, like I say, they're both, well, they're, they're twins. They're oh, the twins. Like right. So yeah, like frame-wise, they're built the same. And frankly, they play the same game. Now, I believe they're both hometown kids. They're both from Madison, South Dakota. I believe they both walked on as well. I'm pretty sure they were not afforded scholarships, or at least one of them did. And so Jackson, yeah, five years uh, in the last 21 or 23, 180 catches for over 2,900 yards and 19 touchdowns. He was gonna, They were going to both leave last year, but they said, nope, we're going to come back. We're going to defend our national title. And they did do it this year. Like I say, they are two of the most physically dominating, like I say, FCS receivers probably the last four years. Like I say, they are not to be trifled with whatsoever. They have done such the dirty work on the outside as fantastic blockers for Isaiah Davis, their star back. They have, like I say, got held of defensive backs, safeties to the next level. They've pinned guys to the sideline. They really do take pride in that stuff. But they are big physical solid possession receivers on the outside they can hold their own against some of the bigger stronger guys they've got good frames they've got expanded root trees they are jackrabbits through and through like i say collectively between them they've played like nine seasons and they have like they hold school records between them for like receiving touchdowns for average catches and they've been brilliant in their future both of them it's gonna be hard to tell them apart at the next level so it's going to be quite difficult to find differences between them, how they're going to stand out. They play a very similar game, and the fact they've played on the same team may hurt them in the long run. Like I said, they've not exactly had the chance to stand out from one another, so it'd be interesting to see how Jackson does do or how Jane does do, how they differ from one another. But yeah, they're both strong possession body receivers with good root trees. They're really good in the red zone as well. They understand how, like I said, to box people out how to work the end zone, how to work the goal line, use their bodies because they're stronger physical guys. And they'll just, they've laid everything on the line last five years. They could have declared last year. Like I said, they could have transferred as well. They could have gone to a power five potentially. But they said, nope, we're staying. Like I said, this is our hometown. We're going to do it all or we're not going to do it at all. Yeah, they used to pull their eligibility. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do. Like I say, together, but hopefully more separate. I can see them both going separate ways. Like, say, how they both perform will be very interesting to see. 
once had like three dominant years, once had like four, but they've, they've been really trusted as a jackrabbit. And then the other receiver I've got is Lydia to Griffin. Now, this kid is only five foot eight. He's only 80 kilos. Yeah, he's, he's built like a matchstick. At Miss State, like you say, he's been there like four years. Last two years, he's done pretty well. 90 catches for 1,150 yards, eight touchdowns, which is pretty good in offense that has fairly been fairly air-raid, I'd say. But where he makes a difference is return specialist. In his career, four years, over 1,600 kickoff yard returns, on only 56 returns. That's an average of 28.57 yards. That's more than a touchback. He averages every single time he touches the ball, and he's had two touchdowns to go with that. He has got elite speed. He has got great vision. He follows blocks, and when the hole comes, he hits it. I say he is going to be a game-breaker at next level, and he's going to have to make his name returning kicks, and that is how he'll get on the field as a uh, receiver. But he has got those things you can't teach. Speed, ball security as well, because we see way too many like change games changed, like muff punts and kicks. I say kickoff is as good as anybody in the nation. So these two like different contrasting styles of guys. One's a big-bodied possession receiver, wins on the outside. This guy will win any which way you give him possible. Jet sweeps, receiving, running back, special teams. Like Ladeatrick has really got the chance to turn some heads especially if he can break off a big punt or a kick return. But yeah, he's going to be really fun to watch because special teams, like, it's what separates, like, the average Joes, I like to say, the next big thing. Oh, it's 28 per return. That is that is crazy. Um, so yeah, we'll see if he can able to knock out a big one there in the Shrine Bowl when that comes up. So actually, this way that I've got two different guys, which is good because we've done these teams independent of one another. So the more we don't cross on, the more we get to go through. But the first guy I wanted to talk about was Malik Washington. I'd not really done anything on him before I came into this process, but I've watched a lot of his tape now and I love what I see. So he's a five-year guy. He had four years at Northwestern and then went to do his final year at Virginia. His stats, he's 230 of 321 on targets, 2,747 receiving yards, about 12 12 yards per reception, so steady. He's got 12 touchdowns, and he's got 274 yards on 13 kick returns, so does special teams work as well. So another small guy. There's a lot of smaller receivers here. He's 5'8", 194 pounds, definitely a slot receiver, and he's a kick returner, as I mentioned. So he had a very nondescript four years at Northwestern. He had 1,200 yards and three touchdowns in his last two years, but he was never really fully utilized. And then he just blew up when he went to Virginia. Now, this was a Virginia room, bear in mind, that just lost Dontavian Wicks to the Packers last year in the draft, and Kation Thompson, who was their other big guy there. He reached 1,384 yards and nine touchdowns this season. And just to put it into perspective, this is on a team, their third best receiver was the running back Kobe Pace, who had 176 yards. He had triple-digit receiving yards in all but two of the games this season, and one of them he got 97. So it was basically all but one game, which was against Tennessee, where he had 100 receiving yards. So consistently good all throughout the season. He didn't stack those yards in a couple of big chunk games Three figures every single game. So you have all that added attention from the defense because he was the main threat. 
They had a wide receiver too, and that was it. So he garnered, as a slot receiver, extra attention on the defense. They had an offensive scheme change during the season, and he had two quarterbacks throwing to him. And the main one ended up being the true freshman. Um, I want to say Anthony Costanzo. It's not Costanzo, but... Oh, God, I keep forgetting his name. Anywho, he had a true freshman, basically, as his quarterback for most of the season. That production then becomes insanely good. This is not just he was getting targeted because he was the only guy. He had a lot to overcome this season. And to put the season into perspective, he was second in the nation in receiving yards to Malik Neighbors, the superstar from LSU. He broke the ACC record for receptions in a season, and he's the fastest receiver in Virginia history to reach 1,000 yards. He had 711 yards of yak, so yards after the catch, which was fourth in the entire nation. So, like, as a slot guy, a smaller slot guy, most of his yards came after the catch, which just shows how physical and how dominant he is, even with his smaller frame. He's built like a running back. So he can take a lot of contact and carry on going. But it's watching his tape, it's where he creates separation. Like this is a very high IQ guy. He sets defenders up, leaves them on an island with his movement. He'll set them up with a fake move. He will cut inside. He'll be gone. It's why he gets so much yards after the catch because of the separation he creates and how good he is at setting the defenders up. His hands are top tier. So he had three drops this season to 111 receptions, just three drops. He's as tough as they come, as I said, again with the size. The main knock on him, it's literally his build at the next level. He can only really be a slot, but, I mean, if I could have a potentially really great slot receiver, I don't really care. It's just as valuable as having an outside receiver, especially in this day and age of the NFL with all the hybrid defenders and that coming in. You've got to be able to expose the middle of the field. He's been one of that this year. And I think he's going to do really well. The only other knot would be he's got one year of production, like four nondescript years at Northwest. And he did one big year this year. Can he make it consistent? But I love him. I think he's a really great player. And, you know, if we didn't already have a plethora already, I wouldn't mind him coming to the Lions. But he's certainly a name to watch out for is Malik Washington. And the other guy I picked up was the FCS guy, Ryan Flowernoy. He's... Uh, from Southeast Missouri State, been there two years. Um, he's 121 of 207 on targets. He's got 1,841 receiving yards, 15 yards per reception, so a bit more of a deeper threat, 14 touchdowns, um, did a little bit of returning. He's got 116 kickoff return yards on four attempts, so goes at 25 a clip when he gets it, and he's got a return touchdown. He's also got two rushing touchdowns as well, so he is receiving returning and rushing touchdown. So instantly, versatility screams out at you. He's 6'2", 205 pounds. He's their outside receiver. He started in Juco before making his move up to Missouri in the FCS. Um, his testing numbers, he's one of Feldman's freaks. I think he was 46. So for those who don't know, these are the insanely athletic guys. His testing numbers would have put him second at last year's combine amongst all wide receivers except Jackson Smith and Jigba. And we all know how insanely athletic that guy is. Um, so you've got the athletic ability right out the way. He's a team captain, standout leadership skills, which again, big, big need for teams in the NFL. Now a lot look for this. He plays 80% on the outside. 
He's got the frame. He's got the hands. He's just got one drop this year. And he's taken a full load on the outside. So another whose hands are really good. He's a three-level receiver. His numbers do not drop off. Behind the line of scrimmage, short, intermediate, deep. He grades well on everyone. The only problem he's had is that his quarterback at Southeast Missouri can't throw the deep ball very well. They're like five of 26 on deep balls, but that's not on the receiver. It's on the quarterback. I've seen some of the throws. They are awful, but he's good at all three levels himself. Competition levels will be a concern. He's an FCS guy, but he gets the opportunity this week against a very good group of DBs to show that he's capable of doing it at the next level there. But he does have a small sample size against really good teams. So they played on the road against Kansas State this year. Kansas State with the reigning Big 12 champions. It's the first game of the season. He had 10 catches for 96 yards, and he posted his second-best run-blocking grade of the season as well, putting some really good blocks on that game. Now, it's a small sample, but it's a start. He has shown that even on a small FCS side, he can do the his 100 yards against that Kansas State defense. is no mean feat. He wasn't even given a star rating out of high school, so he's one of these. He's got a big chip on his shoulder with a point to prove, and I love that about him. So there's some really great receivers. You know, like Ryan's mentioned, I've mentioned at both FBS and FCS level, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this bunch. Right, let's move it to the tight ends. So tight ends, we've got Pip Ryman from Illinois, Dallin Hoker from Colorado State, McCallum Castles from Tennessee, Zach Hines from South Dakota State, who have five offensive players at this, so big up. Big up the Jackrabbits. Jatavian Sanders from Texas. Isaac Rex from BYU. And Mason Pline from Furman. The last two were at the Hula Bowl and got invites on the back of this. Who are you looking at at tight end, Ryan? For me, the first place I go to is Mr. Darren Hawker. Like, the fact is that he this year was a star. So he spent a couple of years at BYU where he had a couple of hundred yards, but he did also spend time, like I say, with football. I think he was in Chile on his missionary. And then, like I say, last year, transferred to the Colorado State Rams. And this year, it all just clicked for him in this offense. 64 catches for 767 yards and six touchdowns. An average, a small average of 12 yards a catch. Team captain, a, fa a finalist for the Mackey Award, so the best tight end in the nation and part of the first team Mountain West team. And he is the number one five tight end on Mel Kuyper's big board. He's way too early big board, so he's got some national recognition already. So he actually set the single season set record for tight ends touchdowns with six. He's super clutch. So four of the six touchdowns came in the fourth quarter, including a Hail Mary touchdown. We helped the go and drive right at the deck against the Boise State Broncos. And I believe that was the first ever win against Boise State. And he helped set it up with a, a long touchdown right at the death. He does also play fullback. He can block when needs to be. He's a good handy size at six foot four and 235 pounds. The issue is, he's pretty slow off line of scrimmage. He's a big boy, to be fair. He does take a while to get going. But once he does get going, especially in traffic, He's very dangerous. He's very hard to bring down. He's the number one trait I've read by Sports Illustrated is soft hands. He doesn't use his chest to catch. He doesn't hit the numbers. He uses the diamond. He brings it in and he corrals everything that comes in. 
and he's been super dangerous in and around the red zone this year. And he is really one of those sleepers. They expect him to go no later than the third round. Don't expect him to drop to undrafted. And it's quite a difficult tight end gauge class this year. They think he is one of the potential gems that will be as a H-back blocker, like I said, but will also go out at tight end and could be real good in the red zone because of his, like I say, he's good catching and his contested ball rate and working in traffic against, like I say, linebackers passing through the zones between them and the safety. So, yeah, he, he looks every bit of the part. Uh, I say, if anyone wants to go watch his YouTube highlights, uh, go check out Zach Lanningham, who won in. He's put together a compilation, and he's a fun kid to watch. And the owners right now in the NFL on tight ends is so high, it's becoming a premier position that that will probably elevate his draft stock for anyone that wants a, a long-term project to stash away, because he's got the basics right already. And receiving... He's already could be an instant threat, blocking and everything else. Probably work on that when I say if he needs to be, but yeah, he's got the fundamentals to be a, a quite a potential dangerous red zone threat. And if I remember rightly, he was the guy who skinned Colorado alive during the rivalry game. I think he had a big game in that one. And I mean, in fairness, skinning that Colorado defense is not hard, but he looked so impressive. That is group of five versus power five. So yeah. Dallin Holker's a great prospect there. And I've got McAllen Castles. I love the name. He's named after a whiskey. Um, Six-year guy, two years at Cal, three years at UC Davis, one year at Tennessee. Uh, he's 92 of 150 on receptions, 1,221 receiving yards, 13.3 yards per reception, and he's got 14 touchdowns as well. So big guy, 6'5". 252 pounds he did it the hard way so he spent two years at cal didn't really see any action there whatsoever so he dropped all the way down to the fcs with uc davis and he turned himself into a high level blocker there especially when it came to the run game and he's a reliable receiver only gets about two three hundred yards a year but he's clutch for when you need him and you know just just a little bit that you need out of him there he took a big risk though so in his last year, he jumped all the way from UC Davis up to Tennessee. Wasn't even sure he was going to see any game time there, but it paid off. So he only had 242 receiving yards for the Vols, but he was second in receiving touchdowns with five. He carved out a niche as like a go-to red zone guy. Like they always thought he was going to block and then he'd peel out the back. He's really, really good at that. So you've kind of got some sneaky ability with him there. The blocking grades dropped off for him a little bit, but that Tennessee spread offense, the tight ends, you've got to do a lot of perimeter blocking. They throw a ton of screens, a ton of perimeter passes where you've got to, it's completely different to conventional blocking. So his grades were still high. They were mid-60s, but they were like 80 at UC Davis. But the skill set he's going to have got from working in the spread offense and a more traditional offense, his blocking range is vast. So at the next level, if you want a guy who's going to block first and has the ability to become a really good receiver and is a sneaky touchdown option, this is kind of that direction you're going for him. And as I say, there's just a lot to like about him. But that lack of production, as I say, 1,221 yards in six years, he'll just go well under the radar. Um, but his path, the way he's taken, the way he got up to the SAC, took that chance, did really well for Tennessee. That should hold him in good stead as well. So I'm really interested. I think he's like around four or five pick at the minute. But as we've mentioned, there's a dearth of tight ends in the draft this year. So needs must might just push him up a little bit, especially guys 
like McCallan. So looking forward to seeing him at the Shrine Bowl. Certainly one of my favourites on their right. Let's move over to the offensive line. And we're going to do tackles first. So I've done one of each. I've got five guys in here. So the tackles, Nathan Thomas from Louisiana, Garrett Greenfield from South Dakota State, Walter Roos from Stanford, Julian Pearl from Illinois, Anine Dankwa from Howard, Josiah Ezerim from Eastern Kentucky, Tylan Grable from UCF, Gottlieb Ayedzi from Maryland, Andrew Coker from TCU, <clears throat> and Caden Wallace from Penn State. Um, you got any tackles on your list there, Ryan? I've got two guards. Right, so I'll do, tackles, I've got I'll, do, I'll, I'll do my tackles first. So I said I try to do one of it. I just like doing that there. So the first guy I've got up is Tylan Grable. So, again, offensive line tackle. He spent two years at Jacksonville State, two years at UCF. So his deployment, 2,808 snaps at left tackle, 90 as an in, oh God, inside tight end. So he's just been a left tackle his entire career. The stats, so in 1,421 pass-blocking snaps, he's given up just 10 sacks, seven quarterback hits, and 34 quarterback hurries, making for a total of 51 pressures. Uh, go keep saying this about Lima, but he big. 6'7", 290 pounds. He's always been a high-level pass blocker, and he's coming off his best year with UCF. He didn't give up a single sack and just one quarterback hit, manning the blind side for Plumley, And that's really good because a lot of the taller guys, they struggle with guys getting under them, leverage, getting pushed back into the backfield. He doesn't. His technique's amazing in pass blocking. He knows exactly where to put his hands. He gets low. He's got great lower body strength to be able to push those guys out and keep them away. So I really love the technique and leverage skills. He's one of the more athletic tackles in this group. So he's a really good second-level blocker, again, with all the RPO stuff they do at UCF. He has to do a lot of pulling, a lot of second-level blocking. He's very athletic, and he's really good at it. So I love the stuff he does in pass pro. The, the issue he does have is moving guys around in the run game. When at the line of scrimmage, when you do a more traditional run game, it needs to be addressed. But overall... There's a lot to like, a lot to work with. He is just purely a left tackle, and you would probably keep him there. Don't kick him inside. I hate it when teams do that. Um, but he's played in two different offensive systems as well. Like I say, he's played in the RPO at UCF, and he's played in a more traditional system at Jacksonville State back when they were in the FCS. They were very run-heavy, so very experienced dude, highly experienced, worked multiple systems. I really like him there, and his ability to adapt – so, like I said, he started his career in the FCS with Jacksonville State. He moved up to the group of five initially with UCF because they were a group of five team last year. And they've gone to the power five this year. And he's had his best year. So, for the last three years, his competition levels have gone up and his performances have stayed consistently high, if not got better. So, that's a really good sign of alignment when he can keep jumping to the next level, keep performing well, especially at the most important position of a mall. At the left tackle, he has not missed a beat. And then the other guy I've got is Jalen Sundell on the offensive line. Another tackle, five years 
at North Dakota State. He's won a boatload of championships there, as Ren will testify to. So his deployment, uh, 967 snaps at left tackle, 1,362 at center. So the stats, 925 pass blocking snaps. He's given up just 19 pressures, two sacks and one quarterback hit in five years. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He started at left tackle in his freshman year. Then he moved to center for three years. And then this year he went back to left tackle due to injuries. And uh, so immediately you've got versatility off the books. He's played on the interior. He's played at tackle. You can probably move him along the line as well. And he can snap the ball because he spent three years at center. So he's another who's highly athletic. He comes from a family of basketball players. So he plays a lot of basketball. The guy can shift. And as Ryan will tell you, the Bison love to run the football. They love to play ground and pound. They love to physically dominate you. And that's exactly the type of mold that this guy is. And they said, he lets nobody get to his quarterback wherever he plays. He's dominant on the line of scrimmage, as I've already said. This is a team that has had an offensive lineman drafted in the last three drafts. So you've had Dylan Radons, Cordell Volson, Cody Mouch, who's played every game for the Buccaneers this season it's a system with pedigree when it creates its offensive lineman but he has been playing on a juggernaut amongst small fish so this is going to be a big learning curve for him going to the senior bowl against some power five guys as opposed to just being on the best team in the fcs and absolutely dominating but there's a lot to like about him in both facets of the game so Tylan Grable and Jason Jalen Sundell, the two guys to watch at tackle there. Now, I I feel like this is we've not actually had the same players yet, right? I feel like a guard. We might get some crossover here, but I've been yammering about the tackles. Who have you got at guard? So at guard, my first guy is well, he's played a lot of tackle, but he projects as guard. That's why he's interior. So KT Leviston, guy from Kansas State, the Wildcats. So. He has played six years, so he was an extra fifth-year senior this year. 6'5", 330, projected to run a, a 5'2", So in freshman, like I say, he was 53 snaps, no hurries, no hits, no sacks. Sophomore, he would go 10 games, 340 snaps with seven hits. Seven hurries, three hits, and a sack. As a junior, nine games, only 79 snaps, so he did struggle that year. But he also had zero hits, zero hurries, and zero sacks. As a senior, 13 games, 835 snaps, 18 hurries, two hits, and five sacks. And as a fifth-year senior, 12 games this year, 861 snaps. But he did surrender 11 hurries, two quarterback hits, and two sacks. So the issue is he's very much a run blocker. Yeah, apparently he is mean. His initial burst off the line is, I will initiate contact with the D-line before they get to me. Hands on, he's the burst, and he's able to move them. Like I say, he's able to have his will with them once he gets off the line. And he can get to the next level. If he has to, he can pull. He will get to the linebackers, the safeties, if needs to be, if he's going to lead block. He understands uh, a stunt, a split, a twist. So what he sees, he knows is not what he gets. The person in front of him may not be the person he has to block. And if they do stunt or they do twist and someone comes around and he has to adjust on the fly, he gets that good handwork and he's able to pick up the blitz. 
and is able to protect that. So he is able to adjust at the last second when he needs to. He can work on the fly, which is really good for someone that primarily will be a left guard, I imagine, next level. Pass pro is probably where he struggles, despite the good size and the weight. It's the fact that he doesn't. He can sometimes get caught where you think, like say, the quarterback's escaped or the pockets kind of go, and it kind of just lets the guy go, but then they'll show that relentless pursuit and they will get after it. So sometimes there are questions where he will let a man go before the play is well and truly over. So not necessarily effort, but sometimes concentration or their lack of it. Pass pro is probably where he does struggle against the faster guys, the guys more bend around the outside. He can't always shepherd them around the outside successfully. So basically he has given up quite a few sacks and a fair amount of hurries over the career. That's between left guard and left tackle. But for someone like say, at the lines, like say, someone, a potential left guard that can be in the run player and you can just kind of get behind him and say, I'll lead the way as the next level. That's that's what he offers. And that's what I like about him. I think he can work on the pass pro, but he's a strong run uh, guard right now. And I expect him to probably be a pulling guard as well on the next level because he can work well in open space. But the other guy, uh, I'm going to find more about this person, but this other person is so Willis Patrick. So interesting story. He started at D2 at Angelo State, and that was three years ago. He was their right guard there, played well, and he decided to get a big-time pickup with one other than Dion Sanders. He was part of the 12-1 Jackson State Tigers team. And in an interview with Pro Draft Network, he was interviewed, and he said, basically taught him everything he knows to be the person he is right now. I said, he is a run mauler. He is absolutely brutal. He is a nasty streak to him. I say he loves to just get like square up, pad on pad, and I will just drive you back and I will force holes at the next level. 6'4", 3'30", so he's definitely a guard. He doesn't have the tackle build or those long arms. He's not got that rangey figure. But this year at TCU, he did start every game at right guard. So from his progression from Angelo State to Jackson State, he was a big time step here for the Horn Frogs. And he, he coaches, like I say, says Coach Sanders and what he did from Jackson State, prepared him for this. Like I say, came in the Big 12 and he anchored that right side of the line. Did struggle, but TCU is known for a run game that can be very productive. And he held his own on part of that line as a first-time transfer into a Power 5 school. So he did really well this year. And I do like him. Like I say, I think he's got he's a likeable kid. He's had a, an interesting path to get here. He's played at all levels. He basically said that he doesn't think anything's really different in run game. Like I say, the objective is the objective where you play D1 or Power 5. You know what it is. There'll be more athletic defenders. I say they'll try more fancy stuff, but ultimately he said, you won't fool me. Like I say, I've seen it all. I've been there and I'm able to plug and play in a run-heavy offence and I'm able to win at line of scrimmage and get to the next level. Pass pro, another one where he will struggle. He's not the biggest, not the heaviest, but he will give his effort and he will give 100% and he's a, he's a really likeable kid. So he's someone that I think is probably that project that you stash away, but yeah. For someone that's looking to train or like work on like a project for a long term right guard, like I say, we could be. I think it's someone like I said that's been in different environments. He's worked with some really good coaches as well that really do talk highly of him. So he seems like a, a good kid to mentor. 
Yeah, I love the guys who come out of D2 and stuff like that work their way up. They've just got a chip on the shoulder. There's something that gives them a little edge. So that's great. And <laughs> amazingly, we've still not had the same guys on here. So I'll move into my guards now. So uh, the first one I did mention because he was at the Hula Bowl and I absolutely love him. So Zovea Gadlin. So he is the Liberty offensive lineman, five-year guy, three years at Tulsa, two years at Liberty. His deployment been all over. 1,010 snaps at left guard, 1,018 snaps at right guard, 1,493 snaps at right tackle, 109 at center, and just to round it off, 53 at left tackle. So he's literally played everywhere. His stats in 1,859 pass block reps, he's given up 14 sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and 51 QB hurries. He's 6'4", 322 pounds. I love his frame and his size. It's perfect. Again, extremely versatile. And this was a kid, he got broken in very harshly. So year one at Tulsa, he didn't really play. Year two, he was their starting right tackle. He gave up nine sacks and 10 quarterback hits in the season as he, it was trial by fire. Bearing in mind, he's only given up 14 sacks and 11 quarterback hits in his career. Nine and 10 of them came in his first year, but he's bounced back superbly. So in the last three seasons, he's given up just five sacks and one quarterback hit. And he didn't give up either this year at all as Liberty romped to the CUSA title. Um, he hadn't even heard of Liberty when he went into the portal from Tulsa looking for another opportunity because as I say, he had a bit of a rough time there. He wanted a fresh start. But just after a year after they recruited him, he was their top-graded offensive lineman, and he was a team captain. That's kind of the drive and determination he has, even going into new surroundings. His run blocking has shot up while he's been at Liberty. He is night and day a better run blocker between the two systems. He's helped lead the best rushing attack in the nation, Liberty were rushing for about 303 yards per game, which was 40 more than Air Force, who are the best running team in the nation per game. So he's a modicum of health. Like I say, you've got well over 3,000 snaps there at five different positions, very rarely injured, yet he's very physical, very aggressive. And he's extremely likable off the field because I did a little bit on him. I found this story so... He's a singer away from the field. He, he he does all this football stuff. He is a singer. He performs on the stage, notably Shakespeare plays. I saw a clip of him doing Romeo and Juliet, which was just something to behold. And he's very big towards his charity stuff. He's just such an easy guy to like. And he's dominant. I love everything about him. Now, the issues come, like, he had his rough start and he overcame them. But Liberty, let's face it, they were the CUSA this year. They just ran over everybody. So how's he going to operate when he comes up against teams who are going to fight back, like who are higher level opposition? Because it's the CUSA it is what it is, unfortunately, for them. But he's performed well in games against bigger teams for Liberty as well. So we will see. And he really needs to pick, pick a position on the line. The bigger he's going to be at guard, probably will go to right. But he can do both. So the versatility is a thing, but you need to pick a home. But Zovea Gadlin, I absolutely love the guy. If Christian Haynes didn't exist in this draft, then he'd be the god I'd be after. And then the second one, who I also really like, Christian Mahogany. So he is the guy from Boston College. Four years, 
He's been there, stayed loyal to the program, start to finish. He's played 785 snaps at left guard and 1,532 at right guard. So you can play him either side. Doesn't really matter. In 1,225 pass block snaps, he's given up four sacks, five quarterback hits, and 20 hurries. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things. He's 6'3", 322 pounds, so another really good frame for a guard. And he's hard not to like. He's like uh, he's like Gadlin. He's just such an easy guy to like here. He comes from a system that, obviously, Boston College, they sent Chris Lindstrom to the NFL. He just earned $100 million. They sent Zion Johnson last year, who was a first-round pick. He's going to be the next guy in the pipeline. This is a program known for creating top-tier offensive linemen, especially at the guard position. They're known specifically for their IQ. He's no different. So, as Ryan said with some of his guys, he can sniff out delayed blitzes, late blitzes, stunts. I've seen him there, and you can just see the eyes are moving everywhere, and he can see all, he knows all, he picks it up quick. That's why he's given up so few pressures during his career. He's able to counter the bull rush really well. He's got great lower body strength to anchor in against those big, beefy nose tackles who just love to try and run over you. And for 322 pounds, he's nimble. He works pulls, he works traps, he does all the motion stuff as well as just the old-fashioned ground and pound. And he keeps getting better. So he lost all of his 2022 to an ACL injury. I think he got injured in the first game, didn't play after that. He came back this year. He didn't give up a single pressure. His first game back in the ACC was against Florida State, who absolutely steamrolled that division. Their defensive line is one of the best probably the best in the ACC. He didn't give up a single pressure on the day, and that was his first game back from an ACL injury. And it just went through the year. He didn't give up a sack or a quarterback hit all year. He played almost every snap, so the injury worries right behind him. And Boston College, if you listen to this pot often enough, they, they were red hot. With Thomas Castellanos and that line in front of him, they were red hot in the second half of the season, and he was a big part of that. He's a team captain there. He... Gave up many big NIL offers. They said he got offered millions in NIL deals to leave Boston College this year to go and play. He stayed loyal to his team. I just like players who are loyal to the program. I just think it says something about them. So again, really likable. There are some issues when it comes to his leverage techniques, when it comes to the run game. Just got a little few technical issues to sort out there. But And the long-term health even after his ACL injury, people might be like, mm, is it still there? He's had a full season, but is it going to be a long-term problem? But he's NFL caliber, no doubt, like I say, coming from a system that just produces great talent on the line. Love me a Boston college guard. So those are my two guys there. Um, I'm guessing you haven't picked a center out of these. I'm not, no. Right. I'll quickly go through my center, then we'll go on to the D-line. So the center I've got, because I did five, uh, Nick Samak. Weirdly enough, the Michigan State five-year center there. He's played two and a half thousand snaps at center. That's it. He's he's a true center. Um, given up six sacks, nine quarterback hits, 30 hurries in 1,368 pass blocking snaps. 6'4", 300 pounds. Again, really good size. He's taken a lot of bumps at Michigan State. Like That team has been bad. He's had niggling injuries. He had to fight to get in the team to start with. The injury sort of held him back. He kept having to fight his way back into that team. He's had to work with a lot of questionable talent around him. 
And then this year they've had to deal with the Mel Tucker scandal and he was highlighted as one of the players who sort of took ownership of the team during that period and led them on forward. So literally leading that offensive line by himself. And yet despite that, he's had a very respectable career. You know, those numbers are not much. He's not given up much in pass protection. He's been decent in the run game. The big year with Kenneth Walker, he was part of that. Struggled recently because the running backs haven't been very good. He's tough. He's got the right frame for the NFL. He's shown the tools in both run and pass to succeed as long as he comes in the right system that develops him right. And again, he's a really good second-level defender as well, a second-level blocker. So you can move him into space, get him in there. You can help crack off some big runs with him. I really like him. There's a lot of all-around development needed for him. He could be a day-three pick at best, but there's a Sunday player in there somewhere. Those Spartans are built tough. So Samak is one to watch out for. So that was everything on the offense. I realized I just forgot to list all those guys out. So overall at this, so you got KT Leviston from Kansas State who's a guard, Mahogany, Boston College is a guard, Patrick TCU is a guard. You got Dylan McMahon from NC State, who's a guard. Mason McCormick from South Dakota State, who is a guard. CJ Hansen, the guard from Holy Cross. Donovan Jennings, the guard from USF. Matt Lee, the center from Miami. Hunter Nurzad, the center from Penn State. Gadlin, the guard from Liberty. Sundell, the guard from North Dakota State, but he is a tackle. Matt Goncalves, who's the guard from Pittsburgh. Trente Jones, who is the guard from Michigan. And Carson Barnhart, who is from Michigan. He's played everywhere but in the centre. Right, let's move on to the defensive line. Um, I don't know whether you've gone edge or interior. Have you done either, or is it just sort of D-line guys? I've got one. So I've got a D-line, like a stand-up guy, so I've got one of each. All right, so we'll do the interior defensive line first. So the guys we've got here are Evan Anderson from Florida Atlantic, Jordan Miller from SMU, Zion Logue from Georgia, Logan Lee from Iowa, Fabian Lovett Sr. from Florida State, Justin Rogers, no, not him, of Detroit um, fame, uh, from Auburn, Leonard Taylor III from the Miami Hurricanes, Jamri Cromar from James Madison, Christian Boyd from Northern Iowa, Joan Briggs from Cincinnati, Miles Murphy from UNC, and Nathan Pickering from Miss State. So who's your interior guy, right? So I've gone with Jamre Cromer. So this guy is a five-year guy. Spent his first three years with uh, Rutgers, the Scout Knights in the Big Ten, but then decided to transfer over to James Madison. I believe when they came up to the FBS, he's been there two years, so he's been part of their uh, FBS crusade. Listed at about six £325. As a Duke, He's got 75 tackles and 13 and a half sacks the last two years, but 10 of those sacks came this year. This year was the year he broke out. Now, he is regarded as a uh, a three-tech run stuffer. The hand is in the dirt on the edge, but his primary focus is to beat double teams to force guys inside or bounce them out and try to get around the edge. Like I said, primary is he wants to stop the run. He is great in the run. He has got a very physical frame. He's got broad shoulders. He's got good hands, good arms. He is able to swallow up the middle when needs be. This year, though, he's shown that he is able to overwhelm guys on the outside. He can show flashes of speed. He can drop the shoulder. 
He can use like his hands now. He's developed a bit more of a pass rush arsenal. And when he does use that speed and get into the backfield, he's now developed a bit of a knack for finishing this year. Like I say double digit sacks on another great Dukes defense, very important to them. And he's kind of developed his game now from years where it'd be at. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna run the ball like take him off. Oh, we need to rush the passer like yank him out. Leave him out there now. Like I say, give him the chance to work the outside, try beat a guy outside. Do you want to stunt him? Do you want to put the hand in the dirt and think he's going to stop the run and then bring him underneath the nose tackle? You can do it if you want to try. He's developed athletically. He's got the mental side of the game down now where he's understanding that what it takes to be a pass rusher. You can't just win with size or speed or anything like that. It's kind of a combination of things. And then things he's still got to work on next level if he doesn't want to be just a run stuffer. Where if he just wants to be a trench man, it's fine. He's got that. I say he can take up space. He can swallow up holes. He can just kind of stop the plays there and then. But if he wants to be more than that, he can put more weight on the frame. They can hold his own on the outside and he can work on that. Maybe develop a spin move because he's not that tall. People won't get onto the pads. He's a good size. We've still got... Fairly good centre of gravity because he's not lanky. But yeah, he's someone that I think has got the fundamentals down. He's got the basics right. The flashy stuff and that. You can teach him that. Like, you can't teach him to defend the run. There in his instincts, there in his nature. But this year, mm-hmm. like as they were coaching him, they gave him a bit more of a free reign to say, do you get the chance to get off the quarterback? Or do you want to go like pursue him and force him out of bounds or reduce the play? Like, you've got free reign to go do it. And it really paid off him this year in a big way. So, yeah, he's someone that's definitely me interesting as a, a bit of a tweener that can, like, wants to do more of the other now. So he can do the dirty work, and that's primarily why you would pick him up. And a proven winner. Like, didn't know what win on that James Madison team. They've been, played the Big they've... Ten, and now he's a winner in the last two years. He's won, like, 90% of his games he's played in. Yeah. Yeah, and that winning mentality goes a long way. Right. I've got a couple of DTs here. So my first guy... Evan Anderson, he is the defensive tackle from Florida Atlantic. He's been there for years. So he's got 788 snaps as a full god nose tackle. Then he's got 700 a defensive tackle, but that's three tech and inside. His stats, 42 quarterback pressures, 10 sacks, 5 quarterback hits, 27 hurries, 124 tackles, just an 8.8% missed tackle rate, and his run defense is elite. Maybe the best of everybody in this. So he's 6'3 six, six, and 356 pounds. He is a big, beefy nose tackle. And for anyone who knows my draft loss, it goes safety, big, beefy nose tackles, outside blocking perimeter receivers. Those are my three loves. The nose tackles are right up there. But he is deceptively good for such a big guy at rushing the passer. But it is the run defense where he's always shined from day one with the Owls. One-on-one, a lot of guys on the O-line just cannot handle his speed and his bull rush. Like, he's 360 pounds of mass. No one will be able to deal with that. However, he'll use that to get into the backfield and make plays. He's got a good number of tackles for loss against the run on his resume. He just causes a lot of problems there. And when he gets double-teamed, he simply can't be moved. Like his lower body strength and his grappling technique, his understanding of leverage, even when he's double teamed, they can't shift him. So plugging up that hole in the middle, stopping teams running between the tackles 
It's so, so impressive with him. And he can carry a big workload for such a big fella. He had over 500 snaps this year, which for like the really big nose tackles, that's a lot because these guys have to put themselves through a lot and they're just basically in a wrestling match every every snap. And to get that many snaps shows that he is actually deceptively athletic because a lot of the heavier nose tackles can't handle that load. He's got two seasons where he's got 500 snaps plus. He's very experienced. Like I say, one and a half thousand overall. That's a good career for him. So it's a testament to his fitness and endurance, just how good he is there. And he showed his pass rush upside this year. He had five sacks this year, which doubled his career total. Now, granted, the pass rush arsenal is not great. His move is the bull rush. Like he is a 360-pound man who is bigger and stronger than you, and he will push you all the way back into the quarterback and get his sacks that way. However, a lot of guys still can't do that in that department. So the fact that he can shows you that he's got some pass rush ability to work with. It gives him three-down potential in the NFL. Now, right now, he's a two-down guy at nose tackle who you use against the run. But if you can get that three-down out of him, then his value goes through the roof. Probably shed a little bit of weight as he goes up as well. Maybe get down to 330, something like that. Add a few extra steps to it. I think there's a lot you can do with him. Now, he's been at the group of five levels, so can he do it against better linemen? There's some really good linemen here at the Shrine Bowl, so I'll be watching intently to see what he can do there. And then the other guy mentioned him at the Hula Bowl, Christian Boyd. So he's the defensive tackle from Northern Iowa. He's the FCS guy. Five years there. He's got 550 snaps at nose, 1,272 at the three-tech, 103 at the five-tech, and 148 as a wide edge. So predominantly an inside defensive tackle, but you can move him across the line depending. He's got 80 quarterback pressures, 79, sorry, 14 sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 55 hurries, 136 tackles, 12.3% on the missed tackle rate, four battered passes, one force fumble. He's 6'4 and 317 pounds, so a bit skinnier, but he's a tall dude. So he's got a problem that many defensive tackles have at college, and this was the point I made when I did a Leams take years ago. He doesn't have the fancy stats that a lot of the edge guys have, and so people don't look twice at that. But what he is, this hides the story of a good player with huge upside. The run defense is his staple He's got a really quick first step, which he uses to either get in the backfield or to get himself anchored against double teams so that he can't be shoved because he is a little lighter. But the first step is so quick, he puts himself in the position to succeed either way. He's very aggressive against double teams as well. He doesn't just sort of try and anchor himself in and stay there. He'll actively fight against double teams and try shake them off and go and make plays, which is something you don't see from a lot of these guys. I, I love his aggressive nature. I love an aggressive lineman there. Um, he creates rushing lanes for his teammates. He does a lot of the grunt work to give others opportunities. He's got a high motor. He'll be the guy who pursues every play. If guys break contain, he will chase to the perimeter. He will fight to the end of every play. Again, I love the guys who do that. And the pass rush has improved with him. He's registered 51 pressures in the last two seasons. Bear in mind, he's only got 79 in college. That like production has just shot up as he's been more of the guy there. He's only got four sacks, and that's the problem here. He's a little slow getting to the quarterback. 
So he needs to get a second step. He needs to try and find some more pass rush moves, which get him to win quick because he's another who bull rushes a lot. And unfortunately, going through a guy takes longer than getting round a guy. Uh, so he gets the pressure, but he just needs to turn it into genuine production. But the tools are there. You can see it on tape. Just take some refinement from a good D-line coach. Um, let's say if he expands his arsenal of moves, he's got major potential. Like, he played well this year. He recorded good performances against Iowa State, South Dakota State, and North Dakota State, the two powerhouses of the FCS and a Power 5 team. He didn't look out of place at all, played really well. So two underrated defensive tackles. I'll be looking heavily at there. Right, let's move on to the edge room. So we've got uh, Khalid Duke from Kansas State. I'm sorry for butchering this name. David Woegbu from Houston. Trajan Jeffcoat from Arkansas. Xavier Thomas from Clemson. Iabi Okianoma from Charlotte. Mohamed Kamara from Colorado State. Sundayata Anderson from Grambling State. Solomon Bird from USC. Javon Jean-Baptiste from Notre Dame and Zion Tupuola Fetui from Washington. Who you got in the edge room, Ryan? So, well, edge, but this guy's more of a linebacker, so put him in the linebacker group. So, uh, Xavier Thomas, so the, the, the six-year Clemson player. At 24, he's one of the oldest players on the roster. And when you look at him, He's like 6'1", 110. You see why he's not a true edge rusher. Now, he's weird because, so six years, his sack totals are three and a half, two, three and a half, three and a half, two, and three. But he's only got one year where he had more than 30 tackles. That was a freshman, he's 33. So throughout his whole career, his tackle to sack ratio is at its highest 11 to 1, and at its lowest is at three. Every three tackles was a sack. This guy is ridiculous. He's just like, he's like James Houston. He rarely plays. The snap count is not high. He only comes in on like second and third downs or like, you know, it's blatant pass rush downs. But when you look at that, you couldn't find a much better finisher in the country. He comes on and despite the lack of size and weight, he finds ways to get to the quarterback consistently. Compared to lack of tackles, how many bet his actual tackles finishes sacks is quite remarkable for someone that is purely an impact substitute. And he is, even at next level, he will never play that many snaps. He might not play 50, he might not play 40, he could play 10, 20, 30 snaps a game. But you bring him on, and I reckon he will get a pressure instantly. If he can't, he'll get a sack. If not, I'd say he'll get a hurry. In small sample sizes, like I say, older guy, Darbo Swinney trusts him very much. He's been there for a whole six years now, and he understands that what he brings to his defence is someone that you keep him on in fresh, small sample size, you throw him in, and the numbers speak themselves, incredibly productive about sacking people and finishing and getting to the quarterback. And he's someone that he doesn't need that many snaps to get the job done. So he's quite an interesting prospect that someone will look at him and think, I would love him in my scheme for second or third down. You just throw him out there when it's obvious they're going to pass the ball or like third and long and the quarterback is going to have to drop back and sit into the pocket. I say he's small, he's shifty, he's fast, he's got good hands. He's built, he's made a career out of being basically a sack artist as date right now because he's not had much else to do. If he works on those skills at next level, he will be someone that will have like NASCAR packages, having like the, when they deal the house, 
or they send a blitz or whatever you want to call it, he will be that guy that you call out there. Call his name a couple of times a game, might give a sack every other game, and he will find his ways to make very useful. And on special teams, I'd like to think he's a very handy tackler and maybe great on a kick coverage or a punt coverage unit. So, yeah, this guy will never be the flashiest. He probably won't even get drafted. Like I say he's old, he's been in college a long time, but he may find his way onto a roster just because of what he can do when he gets in the backfield. Yeah, and he's coming from one of the best system creations of defenders, really, isn't he? Like, they just churn out talent on their D-line, which is NFL-ready, even if they're only role players. So, a lot to like there. The guy I've got on edge for me is Mohamed Kamara. I think I've done stuff on him before. I feel yeah, I like think. he's been in a mock at some point, maybe last year, but... I love this guy. I think it was last year, but the defensive end from Colorado State, five years he has been there. His deployment, 1,600-plus snaps at edge. He's done 195 in the box and 74 in the slot, so occasionally they'll get creative with him, but predominantly he's an edge rusher and he's a pass rushing edge rusher at that. He's 6'2", 245 pounds. He's one of the most productive pass rushers in college football the last two years. He has 117 pressures in just the last two years. That's 20 sacks, 24 quarterback hits, 33 tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles. He might be the best draft prospect from the Mountain West this year. He's certainly up there in the conversation with it. As a pass rusher, he sets up his moves really well and then he uses his quick first step off the snap and he's got this vicious rip move that he uses just to get on top of guys right away. He's very physical and aggressive with it. He uses the rip move off his first step and he's gone and he's at the quarterback because he wins so quickly, which is why he gets so much production in the backfield. He plays hot. Like, he is relentless all game. He gets a lot of coverage sacks as well. So even if first time, like, the first pass rush move doesn't work, he keeps going because he knows that his secondary is going to create opportunities for him to get coverage sacks, and you see plenty of them in the film. So I love it. Aggressive, hot motor, everything you want, really, from a great edge rusher. And we know the Mountain West produces some really tough, gritty edge rushers. The frame and length are issues. They do get exposed in the run game, which is going to be his biggest problem and his biggest point to prove. So when he wins, his ankles and his leverage are actually really good when it comes against blocks. But when he loses, it's because... He's getting stuck on guys, the smaller frame, the bigger offensive lineman can get hands on him and then they'll move him at will. They will lever him out the way, be it inside, outside, whatever they need to do to create the lanes to run past him. So that's an issue that requires a lot of work. He needs to get a little bit more upper body strength, needs to get a bit more nouse with that run defense. But as a pass rusher, you ain't going to find a better one. Certainly, he'll be a situational pass rusher in the NFL to start with. But he's got big upside if you can bring him in on running downs. He's a very tantalizing prospect for me. As I say, the production speaks for itself. And also, as a bonus to start with, he has a lot of special teams experience. He works the punt return and field goal block teams. He's got a lot of reps with both. So he'll give you third down availability. He'll give you special teams availability. And over time, you can turn him into a three-down guy. So I think Mohamed Kamara is going to make someone... Very happy indeed. And then my second edge, 
because I've gone four two five here. Uh, Javante John Baptiste. Um, so he's a five year DN, four years at Ohio State, one year at Notre Dame. He is exclusively played at edge, one thousand three hundred and sixty eight snaps on the edge. He's got forty six at five tech. He sometimes comes inside a little bit, but he doesn't really do a lot of work in there. So the stats, he's got 87 quarterback pressures, 15 sacks, 21 quarterback hits, 51 hurries, 84 tackles with a 12.5% missed tackle rate, so a little high, three battered passes, and two forced fumbles. Um, so he's 6'4", 260 pounds, perfect frame for a great edge rusher, but he spent four years... Just as like a rotational special teams guy at OSU, he did he did a lot of special teams. He did a little bit of rotation on the edge there. He decided he'd had enough, so he was going to go to Notre Dame, which, as we know, that's been known in recent years for its ability to create great edge rushing players. He took a chance, and it's paid off for him. He's had a superb year: six sacks, ten quarterback hits, twenty-two hurries. Two battered passes, a forced fumble. That missed tackle rate I told you about came down to 6.8%. Like it was earlier in his career, it was bad. The last two years, his missed tackle rate is only 6%. It's something he's really worked hard on. He had 41 tackles this year. Just three of them were missed. And he posted the best run defense grade of his career. It was 86. He had nothing anywhere near it beforehand. So it's just one year of productivity after four years of kind of been a guy who just did a little bit of stuff at Ohio State, but he's gone to a school which is well-known for creating its edge players, and he's had a monster year there. And that Notre Dame defense, as bad as their team has been, has been really good this year. Absolutely great defense. He works the field goal block units. He works the punt return units on special teams as well, so he's gotten in there, but I don't know. I just have a thing for these guys from from Notre Dame on the edge. He's got the frame. He's got everything he needs to succeed. And he's got his way in through special teams first. So absolutely love that. Right, let's move on to the linebacker. You did your edge player, didn't you? We have linebackers yeah, now. I've got the inside linebacker. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think it does inside or out here. I, I don't know how they... So the linebackers, we've got Aaron Casey from Indiana, Steel Chambers from Ohio State, Curtis Jacobs from Penn State, Edgarin Cooper from Texas A&M, Darius Muasau from UCLA, Lavelle Bailey from Fresno State, Miami Njong Mater from Wisconsin, Jackson Mitchell from Yukon, Kalen Deloach from Florida State, and Dallas Gant from Toledo. Muasau, Bailey, Njong Mater, and Mitchell were all at the Hula Bowl, so a lot of the linebackers have come here, but that was a very experienced class. But who have you picked? A linebacker. So I've gone with someone that's primarily an inside linebacker. So, and I've gone with Steel Chambers. I mean, with a name like that, how could you not? But like, let's be honest. Yeah. But I say, uh, 6'1, 230 pounds, four years at Ohio State. And he's played with some great guys. He's found it hard to struggle out. So, over 200 tackles, five passes defended, three sacks, four interceptions. And when you look at him, you instantly think tweener. He's a he's between a strong safety and inside linebacker. He plays everything in the box. Like I say, he's a violent guy across five to ten yards. 
he comes down hard and he makes people pay for it. Whether that's a tight end catching a ball or someone like on a drag route, the ball may be caught, but he will lay you out for the cost of it. He is really dangerous in coverage in zone. If you want to pass through the middle or come in that gap between like the linebackers and safeties when he's dropping on the back pedal, or if you're showing blitz and then drops back, he has got the ability and the finishing speed to close on the ball on a shallow crossing route. If you can't get the ball, he will bring the man down. He's able to, like, say, come down to next level. If a running back's able to squeeze through the hole in the middle, he will lay the wood and he will put you out. He struggles with everything like on the outside. Like you say, he can get like say a shifty or block like a guard that comes to the next level. He can get past them, but he does sometimes struggle, like say, with technique of tackling the open field, things like that. Anything overall behind him, that's not where he wants to be. He is a zone coverage linebacker, but he's very scheme specific. But but like what a lot of teams play, they probably will like him. He's got experience. He's a good, strong, solid tackler, and he does have some decent ball to hand eye awareness in zone. He is able to make his impact felt across the middle in round crossing zones. So he's very serviceable and special teams. I expect him to be, frankly, a menace. If he's not the first guy to like be in the face of a punt returner or a kick returner, I'd be very frustrated because he feels like someone that wants to go out there and he wants to hurt people. He plays with that kind of like, he has got a chip on his shoulder. And I do like that about him. He will make his presence felt. And yeah, he is a true like inside linebacker. But you could drop back in a strong safety if someone wants to play like a three safety package. You could leave him on the field, drop him back. The closing speed from, like, say, like, say, five to seven yards line of scrimmage, he can bring that downhill pretty quickly. And you can meet a running back in the hall if you ask him to not go through traffic. So, man. Fundamentally, he's sound. I say he's been around guys like Eichenberg and like flashier linebackers that get all the praise, but he's got a good, solid, strong body of work around him. Yeah, that's an insanely talented room at linebacker at Ohio State, which is kind of a segue into the guy I'm going to talk about. Well, I've got two, but the first one I really want to mention is Dallas Gant. So he is the linebacker from the Toledo Rockets. But I mentioned this, he spent four years at Ohio State, didn't really get any time there. So he transferred out back to his hometown in Toledo, two years there, won himself a MAC championship become a captain on the team. It's been really good for him. So his deployment, 1,859 snaps in the box, 151 at slot, 63 at edge, 19 at corner. So predominantly inside linebacker there, but can play in the slot a little as well. So his stats, 24 quarterback pressures, three sacks, four quarterback hits, 17 hurries, 271 tackles, just a 9% missed tackle rate inside linebacker. That's pretty good when it's in single digits. Four forced fumbles, an interception, three pass breakups. In coverage, he's 59 of 77 on receptions. So it's about 70%, but the yards per reception is only six. So he gives up a lot of catches, but he doesn't give up a lot of yards with them. So he's actually pretty good in coverage, despite what the numbers may say. He's 6'3 and 230 pounds. He is built perfect to play at linebacker. He plays both strong side and inside. Like I say, he spent four years primarily as a special teamer at Ohio State before transferring to find starter reps. He is vastly experienced on special teams. This is where he gets into the NFL. 800 reps on special teams. He's at three figures in every unit 
on special teams, apart from the field goal kick team, he's played over 100 on every other. Like He's one of the most experienced special teamers going. He oozes leadership. He quickly became a captain for Toledo, despite coming from outside from another team. He's really good against the run. Now, he's a read and react guy. He'll sniff plays out before they happen. He's got the speed to get to where he knows the play's coming and make the play when it happens. Makes him really good against the run. The tackling is really good. The technique is great. As soon as he gets the runner, it's over. And as I already mentioned, he doesn't miss many tackles. So once he gets hands on you, you're done. He's tough and durable. He's played 1,800 snaps in his two years at Toledo. So basically, all that production you heard about earlier, you might think, not much for six years. He's done it in the last two. Like, he did very, very, very little at Ohio State. Um, the coverage, I say, is decent. He's better in zone coverage. Uh, he's got the agility for zone coverage. He's not as good when it comes to other concepts. But, you know, you can teach that with him. He doesn't pass rush. He's not much of a pass threat at all. I think he's got one pressure in his entire career. And he does need to work on his block shedding when it comes to big alignment coming up on him at the second level. But he's got the frame. He's got everything you need. You know, small school guy, but he went there to look for an opportunity and he took the most of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And again, someone's going to take him for the special teams alone and they'll mold him into a great linebacker. And then the other one I wanted to mention was Edgarin Cooper. He is the guy from Texas A&M. He's been there four years, uh, but he had his breakout year this year. So he is also quite, he's quite diverse when it comes to where he plays. So he plays mostly in the box, but he plays a good number of snaps in the slot as well. He plays on the D-line, on the edge, and he'll even play a couple at corners. So Texas A&M, they love to move him around, and they're able to get results with him. So this year, um, which has been his big one, his run defense is amazing. He grades nearly 90 every season, but he's had 27 pressures this year on the quarterback. He's got 10 sacks, 5 hits, and 12 hurries, but he had a really nasty spell between weeks four and six. He had seven sacks in three games against Auburn, Arkansas, and Alabama. So against Alabama, he sacked Jalen Milrow three times. And if you watch Bama, Milrow's hard to bring down because of his dual threat ability, because of his legs and ability to get out of the pocket. You don't sack him that often. From linebacker, he got him three times, which just shows that when you deploy him right in the right system, he is a hell of a pass rushing threat. But he had a hot spell in that period. And then he finished off against LSU with two sacks and two quarterback hits this year. So he's put some good offensive linemen to waste. Um, tackling machine had um, just 75 this year. Not a lot, but he's played around a bit. He's got a 12% missed tackle rate. So... A little high. You want to bring it that down a bit, but tough, physical, two forced fumbles. He's, again, he's good in coverage. He gave up 14 receptions on 16 targets, but he doesn't give up much on the throws, just seven yards. So he'll give up the throws, but he'll tackle and pursue and get them down really quickly. So he's not really that bad in coverage. You can sort of do anything with him. 6'3", 230 pounds again, perfect frame like Gan, but he's played in the power five against some really good teams. And I don't actually know why he's at the Shrine Bowl. I really feel like he should be at the Senior Bowl. He's going to go under the radar. He's one of the best guys there. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him as well. So that's the linebackers. 
Let's move on and finish off with the secondary. Now, some of the safeties at corners, and I mean, yeah, we'll go through there. Have you got a corner and a safety? Yeah, I've got one of each, yeah. Right, I don't know. Right, I'm going to list who they've listed as corner here. We're going to do this. Roe Torrance from Arizona State, DeAndre Prince from Ole Miss, Dwight McLaughlin Jr. from Arkansas, Christian Roland Wallace from USC, NJ Devonshire from Pittsburgh, the Florida State pairing of Jorian Jones and Renato Green, uh, Jarius Monroe from Tulane, Beanie Bishop Jr. from West Virginia, Daquan Hardy from Penn State, Chigozi Anusium from Colorado State, Miles Harden from South Dakota. We've got Quantes Stiggers, who's from the Toronto Argonauts from Canada. He's in there. The Canadians are invading the Shrine Bowl. Then you've got Tarheeb still from Maryland, Mikey Victor from Alabama State, and Josh Wallace from Michigan. All I'll say about this corner class is it's absolutely king loaded here. There's so much good talent on show, but who who've you picked at corner, right? I've picked who I think is the most interesting player at the whole Shrine Bowl and one of the most interesting players in the entire draft. And that is Quantes Stiggers, a player I've watched for a whole year now. Now, this guy is 22, hails from Atlanta, Georgia, six foot, uh, about uh, 190 pounds. Never played college football. At high school, played wide receiver, strong safety and cornerback. Never went to college. Honestly, I don't know why. In 2022, his mum said... Why don't you try playing the FCF, the fan-controlled football that Terrell Owens and like Johnny Manziel was a gimmick? He did. He joined, got a trial. I couldn't find a team he played on. But while he was there, he was spotted by the former Toronto RC, who said, I think you should try out. Like you say, so in January 2023, he enrolled. He was given a place for the uh, the camp at the University of Guelph. Guelph, I don't know how to pronounce that, in May 2023 for Toronto Argonauts. Most thought he'll never make it. He'll get cut. He didn't not just make it. He made the team. He played 16 games. He had 56 tackles for five interceptions. He made the East All-Star team and he was voted the most outstanding rookie of the year and helped that defence to a Grey Cup divisional CFL semi-final. Like I said, he's been granted special eligibility to be at the Shrine Ball and at the draft season. Never, outside collegiate, he's never played football in America, part of the SCF, so they've given him that special status to declare for the NFL draft. This kid has got what well, all the other guys don't want. It. He's already played pro football. Like I say, he's already played and he played part of one of the best units, one of the best teams in Canada. Like I say, and he has got size, he's got special teams abilities, he has got a fantastic nose for the ball. He's already been there and done it. Like I say, he'll feel like he should be having his name called in April. And the fact, like you say, he's never played in college, but the fact he kind of just skipped all that and went straight to Central of the Pros, and now he's been granted his eligibility to potentially be picked up in the draft. He could be the next kid from Canada or the CFL to make it in the NFL. Like Nathan Rock, like you say, went to the Jags, but he never actually played a snap. Like I say, he was released again. I expect to go back to Canada. But this kid has got a real shot of like being a UDFA or a day three pick and being on a practice squad and maybe seeing action, and not many Canadians can say that. Like I say, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like I say, that it feels like he's probably been overlooked in the past. Like I say, I, I don't know what he's done from the years between leaving high school and going to the FCF, but yeah, he's taken a very unconventional route to get to pro football. 
But in that time, I think he's learned a lot about himself. He's got the size. He's got speed. He's got the ability to finish, the ball-hawking skills. All that has been shown this year. And I don't think I can be overlooked. I know people will say, like, oh, it's the CFL. It's a passing league. It's built for defenders, which it is. Dimensions of the pitch It's different. But the level of competition he's played at, like I say, he can't really be sniffed at. He's been like an in-game live experience as a pro, and none of these other guys can claim that right now. And for me, that just makes him such an interesting prospect. Like I say, I would absolutely love for the Lions to pick him up on like day three or like as a UDFA, like because the kid's been there and done it. I say he's shown that he can do it, and he just walked into Canada and like walked out with their biggest prize. I say like the the basically the MVP on defense of the year, like and that's pretty outstanding. I say he has got all the skills, everything you can't teach, and yeah, I think he's going to be a really interesting player to watch. I say he's he's older, like he's the same age as a lot of these guys, but he hasn't been through the whole like education NIL. He's not been through that. Like he's just gone straight to the I'm just going to be a pro athlete straight away, and I find that really interesting about him. It's like. How do you scout that? Like, like you say, is it a? It, it surely has to be a good thing that he's been against the. I don't know. How do you scout that? Like, do you consider it a net positive or a negative that he's not done college football? For me, it's a positive. I know CFL. I know Canadian football is basically a different sport. Everything is nearly different. He's only he only plays three downs. Okay, yeah, maybe you could hold that against him. He's never played a fourth down since high school. Like I say, he's used to getting off the field pretty quickly. But I know the CFL, and because it's a passing league and their fields are 120 yards and their end zones are 20 yards deep, like the they're, they're, they're secondary in CFL, everything is against them. It's a league designed to make playing defensive back redundant. Everything just craps on you. You can't cover that space. But this guy has bloody done a damn good job of it, holding his own on the outside. So for me, I think the experience he's got this year, invaluable. He's willing to draft. If you don't get it, probably go straight back to the Argonauts and try win a great cup, like say, because they are one of the best teams there. So for him, he can't lose. He'll already have a CFL contract. Every team in the league will want him in his back pocket. But he's got the chance to be the next uh, Jason Wake. Could it be the next Cameron Wake? Could it be the next lad to make a splash in the NFL from the CFL? Like, that that's quite exciting, I think, for him. And yeah. yeah, he's young, he's got the size, so yeah. He's in true enigma. Yeah, certainly one of the more intriguing storylines to watch out, as you mentioned. It just doesn't happen. So let's see how Quantes Stiggers does there. Uh corners for me, I because I've picked five DBs for this, but the one I really want to talk about most is Mikey Victor. So we mentioned him during the Hula Bowl. Um, so he's the cornerback from Alabama State, the HBCUs. He's been there for two years. So his deployment, 852 snaps at corner. He's played 46 in the box, though. We know the HBCUs have to bring the big guys up there. So his stats, he's got 53 tackles, 11.7% missed tackle rate. He's 31 of 63 on targets, so he only gives up 46%. Um, on the targets thrown his way. He's got three interceptions, 14 pass breakups. He's 6'2", 209 pounds. So it's been a tough road for him. So he started off at Juco at Ventura College uh, for a year in 2019, I think it was. And he got an offer from UNLV in the Mountain West, but he went there 
And he spent one year as basically a sparse special team where he played like 25 snaps and he wasn't having any of that. So he dropped back down to the FCS. And this time, as I mentioned, he went to a HBCU. He's built like a prototype corner. 6'2", 209 pounds is almost perfect what you're looking for. Excellent length, excellent ball skills. You see it in this play. It allows him to break on routes, but he's also got the long speed to track the speedier guys downfield, like the 30, 40, 50-yard routes. He's got the speed to keep up with, and none of the speedsters can get away from him. He's tackling at the catch point and in the open field. Big strength for him because he's a really physical corner. Um, it's in his nature. Just goes up, makes big plays. And it's really improved vastly. So I tell you about the 11% missed tackle rate. It was 20% in year one at Alabama State for him. It dropped to 7% this year. So there was a lot of changes in the fundamentals of the way he tackled his technique. He cleaned a lot up in just one season. Because again, he's not played that much ball, really, since he did Juco, since his two years here. Um, he's been a zone coverage guy due to his instincts. So he's playing in zone. He can sort of sniff out the plays again and make plays as he's happened while he's sat there in zone. But he shows promise in press as well. The issue is at the line of scrimmage when he's trying to jam receivers. You know, a lot of corners can't do that, including Cameron Sutton. But, you know, I'm going to shoot that there. Um, he needs to work on that. But if you're able to sort of get that into his game, increase the physicality at the line of scrimmage, get him in press, all of a sudden you can do so much with him um he plays a little high at times as well but it's not that big an issue but just little things that he can work on can he do it against higher level opponents because you know we love the hbcus but it is down in the fcs can he do it against these wide receivers from the group of five power five he's got the intangibles to do so but is he able to make that step up but do not bet against him. He's not a pass rusher. He doesn't pass rush at all, but you don't really need him to here. Maybe you can play him at safety at the next level because, again, the length and range he has, he might like getting sat back there at free safety. So schematically, you can change a bit round with him as well if you don't fancy a corner. But he's got all the intangibles. He's got all the skills you need. Just needs to refine it all. And, I mean, don't knock the HBCU uh, DBs. He's going to step. He's going to look to follow in the steps of Joshua Williams, the guy corner two years ago, Fayetteville State. He's a Super Bowl winner. He got a ring as a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. They create some mean guys there who play great ball. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. If you want to read more on him and do bits, because I didn't use one of the articles here, go over to drafthbcuplayers.com. Our good friend Gerald, he writes for that. A lot of guys do. They tell you everything about the HBCU draft prospects. But Mikey Victor, I really, really like. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's certainly one of the big sleepers at corner. Um, one of the other guys, quickly want to mention, Josh Wallace. Another who's worked his way up the hard way here, corner. He spent four years at UMass, and then he spent this year at Michigan. You Michigan fans will know him. Like, go from playing UMass to winning a natty, it's crazy. So experienced. 2,300 snaps at corner, 262 in the box, 143 at slot, 59 on the D-line. He gets moved around all over the place. He's had 189 tackles, 10% missed tackle rate, two forced fumbles. 94 of 172 on targets, which is 55%. 23 pass breakups, three interceptions. Like, he's a ball hawk. 
and he's played really well for most of his career on a UMass team that's been bad. Now, their defense is actually usually pretty decent, but he was one of the figureheaded leaders there. He was the leader of the secondary. He was team captain. He worked his way up in four years with the Minutemen, played a ton for them. He saw his opportunity for his last year to come up. Michigan took him in, and again, he might not have played a lot. Michigan DB room's good, and it's deep. He's played as a starter there, and he's now a natty winner. And he looked really good this year. He didn't put up the fancy stats, but he was locked down. He barely gave up any receptions at all this year. He's six foot 190, so a little on the smaller side, but he's proved himself at the G5 level. He's gone out and won himself a natty in one year as part of the best defense in college football, really. I absolutely love him. So Josh Wallace is in there as well. Um and then Renardo Green was the other one I very quickly want to mention before we go on to safeties. The five-year safety from Florida State. I know I shall be pleased I'm talking about him here, but he's, again, been in one of the best defences in the country. That Florida State defence, the D-line, linebackers, the secondary, consistently been great. He's played there forever. Um, and he's one of the most versatile guys here. So he's had 1,300 snaps at corner. But he's played 210 in the slot. He's played 168 at free safety. He's played 160 in the box. So he does a lot of work all over this defense. The stats may not back it up, but again, a lot of mouths in there to feed. 144 tackles, just under 12% on missed tackles. He's got a forced fumble. He's 64 of 118 on targets, which is 54%. He's got an interception. 21 pass breakups. Another smaller guy, he's six foot, he's 186 pounds, but he did a lot of work this year. It was his first year where they used him as a pass rusher. He had four pressures, a sack, a hit, and two hurries. He'd not had a single one in his career before that, but he was targeted 60 times through the air. Teams tried to pick on him. He only gave up 31 receptions on that. Nearly a bang on 50% there. He had 13 pass breakups, an interception. He's got an eye for the ball. He's got a nose to get him where he needs to be and breaking them up, even if he doesn't get all the picks on there. His coverage has been excellent this year. The run defense, he graded at 91 last year, which was really good. It dropped off to 60 this season. I don't know what happened there, but he's shown that he can be an elite corner throughout all facets. He's a day three pick. But given where he's been, how much experience he's got, how much versatility he's got, how much special teams experience he's got as well. He's played nearly 300 snaps on special teams. He's a sleeper corner in day three for me. Someone you want to pick up and stash and develop. There's a lot you can do with him there. So, yeah, that is it for the corners. And then we'll finish off with... The safeties, even though some of them are corners, but they're getting listed as safeties. So we've got Dadrian Taylor-Demerson from Texas Tech, Mark Perry from TCU, Dominique Hampton from Washington, Omar Brown from Nebraska, Trey Taylor from Air Force, Kenny Logan Jr. from Kansas, Tyler Owens from Texas Tech, Dyshawn Anthony from Old Miss, Ryan Watts from Texas, Jalen Carlees from Missouri, Marcellus Dial from South Carolina, and Jalen Key from Alabama. Who do you have in the safety room, Ryan? And bear in mind, somehow, we haven't overlapped a single player yet on our roster. So let's see if we can just do this. Who have you got? I've got DTD. 
got Deirdrian Taylor. Oh, I've not got him. We've two completely different teams. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Anyhow. Texas Tech. I'm not going to call him a safety because, well, that would be unfair to him. The guy can do everything. Now, he's built like Brian Branch. He's only five foot ten, like 90 kilos. Like say, so, but he's a long-term starter. 2021 to 2023, 207 tackles, 22 passes defended, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and just 10 touch, 10 exceptions. As he is prolific. This year, he was an all Big 12 second team. And his nickname apparently is the Rabbit because he's small and slender, but he covers ground. Apparently, he's expecting to run a 4 5 5. He is pretty shifty, especially in a straight line. He's small. But he's smart. He's got great ball skills. He understands that he can play nickel. He can play free safety. He can play strong safety. He probably played corner. He can play everything. He's been asked to do it all. He understands that the way to deliver blows is to take the right angles, is to cover ground quickly, and to wrap up or drop the shoulder. He doesn't need the weight or size that he lacks. He's able to deliver strikes or undercut routes, which he's really good at. Like you say, he has, yeah, he's a turnover machine in the last few years. He understands route recognition. He understands when to try to go over the top, when to quickly jump on a route and come underneath and try to take it the other way. In the like the schemes, like say, guys want to play two or three safeties next level, he is going to be probably very accustomed to them. Like you say, someone that you'll move around a bit like a Swiss Army knife or a bit like a chess piece, happy in all assets of the game. And despite lack of size or everything, he likes a tackle. I'd say he does not shy away from a running back. He will not shy away from tackling a tight end. He will finish players. And he plays bigger than his size, bigger than his weight. He's a pretty plucky little kid. And I think he'll do well to stand out at this safety class because, like I say, he's versatile and he's also got a pretty strong resume behind the back up. Red Raiders have very rarely had a bad defence. Like I said, not the best team in the overall, but their defence has produced some good players sent to the draft and this guy probably should be the next one in line like I said he has got a really good nose for the ball but he's also not scared to drop the shoulder and lay a hit on someone no matter how big or how much they outweigh him like I said he'll, he'll give it his all to bring them down in the open field so yeah I really like him and I like like I said that he will probably be a nickel corner at next level I think you could put him in the slot and I'd expect him to hold his own out there um I can't again. I can't believe that we picked a whole team of different players, but that's what I mean. There's so much great talent here at the Shrine Ball. I'm looking forward to seeing so many of these guys. So, yeah, we've got DTD there. Finish it off with my two safety. I say I've got two safeties here, but one of them is a corner. I don't know why it's a safety. So, the first guy is Marcellus Dial. He is the South Carolina cornerback. He spent three years there. He spent actually the first two years of his collegiate career. He was at the Georgia Military College. He did two years of military football in college before spending three years with the Gamecocks. And credit to him, the first year he came up out of a much lower school, started seven games, hasn't looked back. He's been a lockdown corner for them ever since. He's played 1,818 snaps at corner. He has 127 in the box, 115 in the slot. So, again... Plays a little bit of all over whatever you need him to do. 118 tackles, 11% missed tackle rate, a forced fumble, 
He's 84 of 161 on targets, which is just 52%. Three interceptions, 24 pass breakups. Again, another of the six-footers, six-foot, 195 pounds. And again, love this guy. Captain on his team has come up from a smaller school and has just, he hit the ground running. His run defense is tremendous. You know, he's, He's got the tough, gritty style. He's learned in the military academy. They run the ball a lot. You've got to be very physical. You've got to be very dominant. He's done it in the SEC every year he's been in there. He had a little bit of a lull in 2022, but for the most part, he's been a well above average run defender. Um, tackling has been really good. Again, the missed tackles at 11%, but it's sort of he has a couple of bad games every now and then, but most of the time, his tackling is absolutely sp- Spot on. He's very disciplined. He is very physical. I love this guy. Three years in the SEC. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does here. He's probably going to be one of the better corners on show, but there's an absolute ton of talent. Um, so we'll see how Marcel Astial does there. But really like him. And then the other one, Jalen Carley's. So he was in um he was in one of my mocks last year, I believe. But that Missouri secondary has been ridiculously good this year. So everybody knows that Chris Abrams drain one of my favorite corners in this draft. I want to draft him for the Lions. But then you've got Ennis Rakestraw as well, who people are saying could be a first-round pick. And then you've got Carly's at safety as well. That Missouri team is just a hotbed of DB talent at the minute. He's been there four years, uh, 1,345 snaps at free safety, 507 in the box, 320 at slot, 248 at corner, 55 on the D-line. They ask him to do a lot on this Missouri defense, and he just goes out and absolutely kicks ass with it. Um, His stats, he's got 232 tackles. He does have a 16% missed tackle rate over his career, which is an issue with him, which he does need to address. But generally, the safeties, it is a little bit higher because they have to do a lot more work when it comes to the tackling there. So you've got three forced fumbles, nine interceptions, five pass breakups, 15 quarterback pressures, because as I say, they do bring him up to the line to blitz and he can do it. He's 83 of 115 on targets, which is 72% that he gives up. But in general, doesn't give up a lot of yak, keeps it in front of him, tackles quick. There's a lot to love about the versatile DB from Missouri. Um, I say he's been on one of their best teams this year. He's got a lot of his pressures in his career this season. He's got a sack. He's got 10 hurries. So they've been creating more packages for him as a pass rusher. He's got a ton of tackles every season. He's very tough, very durable. He's missed very little time. He's got two and a half thousand snaps in four years. That includes his freshman year where he didn't play as much as he hits hard. He's got the force fumbles in there. Got a nose for the ball as well when needs to. He moves so quick. He's got great game speed. These these Missouri DBs know how to find the football and they know how to make plays on them. They don't get the flashy interception stats or anything like that, but they're just ball hawks. And he is one of them. Like I say, the tackling is the main issue with him. So if he has good shrine ball, if he shows good ability there, if he shows he's learning his techniques, etc. He's going to be one of the better safeties in this draft in a class that doesn't have a ton of talent at the top. And I would know because I love my safeties, but I've been watching him for a while now and he's just been consistently good on what has mostly been a bad Missouri team. So Carly's and Dial are the ones 
I'm watching there. And then finish it off with special teams. I've not actually picked anyone here, but just for the point of filling the roster out. So special teams, the punters, Matthew Hebel from Vanderbilt, Ryan Recco from BYU. He was at the Hula Bowl. Kickers, uh, you got Cam Little from Arkansas. He's a kinker, kinker, huh, kicker slash punter. He does both. And then you've got the thicker kicker, Harrison Mevis from Missouri. Would 100% be interested in the Lions drafting him. And then your long snappers, you've got Joe Shimko from NC State and Marco Ortiz from Nebraska, who was on the Hula Bowl roster. But I think overall, looking through this, right, I know everyone loves the Senior Bowl and the big names are there, but the Shrine, it's getting bigger and better every year. And there is... I mean, for me, there's just an absolute treasure trove of talent waiting to be discovered here. It's There's so many guys who are going to go under the radar in the draft and are going to end up being great draft picks. Yeah, there's some really good positional groups here. <clears throat> a lot of guys, like you say, it feels like this year as well, like, could be wrong, but more FCS guys than you usually ever see. Could be wrong, but it just feels like a lot of them now, like I said, the D1, the FCS, and the D2 guys, like I say, the family sounds like crack the Shrine Bowl. Senior Bowl, you don't always see a lot of them, but the Shrine Bowl, you do get a lot of them, a lot of the smaller school guys. So this is really where they come to try and test their metal against some of the better guys. Yeah, the Shrine Bowl, yeah, I'd say it's it's nearly on par with the Senior Bowl. You just don't get the level of marketing. You don't have the sponsorship, like I say, with Reese's and that, like I say, but it's, it's, it's no less lacking in talent or future potential. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It This is so fun. I'm going to enjoy watching this, maybe more so than the Senior Bowl, because this is where you find your draft diamonds. This is where you find the guys. Household names, most of yeah. them. Yeah. You know about them. Yeah, exactly. You want to find the guys. As well. like they'll play like five snaps to quarterbacks, and that'll be it. They'll be done. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here, I mean, there is tons. So the cornerback room is abs- – I'll, I'll say this, and I will say this again. The cornerback room is absolutely loaded here, like – it's just so many good corners. Half of them could be drafted like pretty high, um, but you've got good talent all over. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be great. And yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about some of the players that, that we like here. And as I say, if there's anyone else on this roster you want us to have a look at, want us to look into, just just let us know and, and we will quite happily do that for you. Is there anything else you want to mention before I get through all the closing notes and everything, Ryan? No. I say we're we're finally at the point where, like, say one one thing is about to end and the other is just about to begin. Essentially, this is its all whole on entity, basically in draft season. Yeah, over. I love this time. Like this week has just—it's been like the first proper week. I know the Lions because the Lions are still going in football, so I'm still way too vested in that. It's like at this point, usually not drafts like this week. Yeah, it's finally only just started to have usually with Sycamore drafts by now. And like now I've not seen any. And there's like still so many players, but reading up on and, and looking tape on so many players this week has been fun. I've really enjoyed this. So um in terms of next shows, as mentioned, um the main Detroit Lions podcast we do will be back on Friday, the twenty-sixth of January. We will be previewing the NFC championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. And again, no matter how many times I say it, still don't feel like it's real, but we are in the NFC championship. So come join us for that. And then me and Ryan will be back next week 
hopefully the 31st of January on the Wednesday. And we will be doing the final of our previews for the big All-Star Games, the Senior Bowl, the big daddy of them all. And we'll probably do a similar concept to what we've done tonight. We'll pick guys at every position we want to talk about and then just go into detail about a few of them. So it's going to be good fun. We'll do it all again. So that is everything. And then, of course, the reaction show on Sunday. You want to join the guys as the game goes on. Because we are the late game. It's going to be a midnight one here for us, but we're all for it. So if you want to join the guys for that, please do so. You can find us all over the internet. Roar of the Lions UK, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Our Facebook page, Roar of the Lions UK, our group, Detroit Lions fans, UK One Pride Worldwide. Um, our website, roarofthelionsuk.com. You can find articles on there as well, and you can get in touch with us through that if you wish to do so. Obviously, don't forget to subscribe and rate us if you enjoy the show five star would be lovely but you know i say we've got feedback form if there's anything you want us to do with that great anyhow just remains for me to thank ryan it's been great talking about the shrine bowl this evening and we'll be back in a week to talk about senior bowl and then the week after both the games happen and we'll be able to break down the games when they are done and let you know who did good and who has room for improvement but just remains for me again as i say to thank ryan we shall see you again very soon. Go Lions, one pride, kick the 49ers ass in the NFC Championship game. Au revoir. Thank you for supporting the Roar of the Lions UK podcast. You can find us on our socials on YouTube at Roar of the Lions UK, Twitch, Twitter and Instagram, ROTL underscore UK, and on our website, www.roaroftheliansuk.com.